Is this all just fluffy theory? It certainly sounds good, but how does this all play out in practice? What does it mean to be critically conscious in your marketing, sales, and fulfillment? I promise this isn't something you're going to find in a course or group coaching program somewhere. Because it's not the way to make a shit ton of money in 90 days. Although do many people actually make that work? I digress. It's the way to build a business that doesn't make you hide from your own values and stands the test of time. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Critically Conscious Coach, where coaches and consultants know the importance of deeply connecting with prospects, showing up in an authentic and joyful way, and inviting those people to become lifelong clients to exceed their sales goals. But most coaches are afraid to market themselves because they've been taught to use cookie-cutter marketing tactics and unethical sales approaches. When in reality, your prospect just wants a real emotional connection and amazing results. Therefore, get ready to unlearn and market yourself authentically through asking insightful questions, making better business decisions, practicing self-acceptance, and doing sales the right way. Welcome back to another episode on The Critically Conscious Coach. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, where we focus on building coaching, consulting, and service businesses that are genuine, authentic, and aligned with our highest values. So if you've listened to the episodes since the rebrand, you might be thinking, this all sounds well and good, but what about when the rubber meets the road? What does critically conscious look like when applied to actual real business circumstances? That's what today's episode is all about. Critically conscious refers to a manner of being, thinking, and showing up that reflects an expansive level of self-awareness, intentional, critical, and creative thinking while staying aligned with high moral values. And if you'd like to know more about what critically conscious means and you haven't listened to last week's episode, last week's solo episode, I definitely recommend you do so because that's what we focus on is the, the expansion of this definition as it was laid out in last week's solo episode. Before we get started, though, I just want to remind you that no one can tell you anything for sure about your business without deep and thorough exploration. So everything in my episode should be considered general statements. The goal of the Critically Conscious Coach podcast is just always to get you thinking. So where does being critically conscious start in your business? It starts with your most important commitment to yourself. <laughs> I know that's not what you were expecting, but your most important commitment is to yourself. It's not to your kids, your spouse, your friends, or even your clients. This sounds selfish, but what does it look like in practice? It looks like lifelong commitment to radical authenticity and developing a more intimate relationship with yourself. It looks like self-acceptance or self-love, or else you'll be constantly driven by external expectations. It looks like self-care because you can't pour from an empty cup. And that might mean meditation, vacations, good nutrition, exercise, and fun, or maybe some other things for you. It also looks like self-awareness because you won't be able to manage the other things I just listed without it. You won't know when you need to take some self-care. You won't know when you really feel like you need to go exercise or when your nutrition is really uh, affecting you in a way that's no bueno. In our type of business, coaching, consulting, professional services, et cetera, 
We are our most important and most exhaustible resource. Your body is the only place you have to live, and your mind is your vehicle for experiencing reality. When you take care of you, it becomes easier to release our egocentric and self-centered perspectives and truly consider how we can serve others. Next, we're going to take a look at the three main areas of business, marketing, sales, and fulfillment. So when we look at something like critically conscious marketing, critically conscious refers, again, one more time with the definition, all right? Critically conscious refers to a manner of being, thinking, and showing up that reflects an expansive level of self-awareness, intentional, critical, and creative thinking, while staying aligned with high moral values. This means that when you consider your marketing strategy, ethics is woven in from the jump, from the very beginning, and not applied as after the fact. Critically conscious business owners do not do mental gymnastics to justify marketing practices that just don't align. They release them because when we know better, we're obligated to do better. Only you can decide what crosses the line in terms of unethical marketing, but here are some example questions you might consider. How do you feel about income claim marketing? Does it have a place in your strategy? What about things like fear-based marketing and false scarcity? So, in other words, do your programs always have three spots left? Will you put arbitrary, made-up, valued-at prices on your landing page? Do your testimonials represent the majority of your client experiences? Now, these, this is just a small example of some of the questions that you should be thinking about as you approach your marketing in a critically conscious way. It's just a very, very small example, but just some things to consider. And even, I know, again, sometimes when these questions are laid out, it feels like there's only one right answer. But even with something like income claim marketing, I, I do think that sometimes there can be a place for it. But even knowing that, right, knowing that income claim marketing can be incredibly misleading, it then requires a very thorough and deep exploration to determine exactly how you would use it as long as it's relevant to your business, again, and aligns with your values. So again, these are not easy questions and they don't always have like one right answer. So it's important to understand. It's important to understand that. So let's move into sales, critically conscious sales. So something to ask yourself, do you consider the sales process as adversarial? Are you getting a yes from people? Are you winning? Because remember, if you play, if you structure the environment that way, somebody is winning, but that means somebody is losing. Like I know we talk about win-win situations, but if you have to get a yes, if you are winning, right, then, then you're setting up an adversarial environment. And from the perspective of sales, critically conscious sales, the sales process, the sales environment is not one that is adversarial. It is a peer-to-peer -peer relationship, peer-to-peer -peer in the same way that if, okay, so I'm going to go back to my previous uh, work experience. So you guys know I used to be a translator, right? I was an expert. I put air quotes around that, but I was an expert in Persian Farsi, Persian Dari, uh, I also knew Tajik and I knew Pashto, but those two I didn't know quite as well, but I knew them well enough. But let's say I had something cross my desk, right, that was in Greek. Well, Krissa takes care of the podcast stuff. I record it and send it to Krissa, and then she does this beautiful stuff that y'all hear, right, with the music and all that stuff. She, she fixes it, right? But if something came across my desk in Greek, right, and I'm like, oh, Krissa, can you help me with this? Should she treat me as, oh, well, I'm so in charge and I know so much more than you, right? Or 
Should she approach it like in this specific area, this area where you are asking me for help? I do know more than you because guess what, everybody? Krissa knows Greek. There's a reason. <laughs> Krissa knows Greek, right? But if something in Persian Farsi came across her desk, our situations could be easily reversed. And so that's how when we look at critically conscious and we look at sales, that's how the environment should be set up. The person is coming to you not because you are superior in all ways, but because they need your help for this specific thing, right? If I am talking to a coach, right, the situ the dynamic could easily be flipped if we start talking about social media marketing, right? Or they're like, Ruthie, I got to ask you, like, I know you want, Ruthie, we've talked about imposter syndrome, working with Ruthie on her imposter syndrome, but you know what I got some questions about? Your TikToks are amazing. Let's talk about TikTok. And now the dynamic has changed, right? So when we look at sales, is your process adversarial or are people coming to the table to uh, work through a potential decision to work together as long as everything lines up? It's important to consider the environment you're creating when you have a sales conversation. So again, a few more questions for you. Do you create a high pressure environment in your sales call? The default answer is no, of course not. We're all just coming together. I just want to help you make a good decision. But no matter how gentle you may think it is, if it is structured to quote unquote get a yes, it is incredibly likely that's a high pressure environment. I don't care if you sound like my grandma giving me $50 on my 12th birthday, right? If you are relying on you know, different types of manipulation, NLP, all this other stuff to get an answer from somebody that you want. If you are attached to the outcome of yes during this conversation, then you have created a high pressure environment. Just because a high pressure environment is filled with pastel colors, rainbows and unicorns doesn't make it any less high pressure. Is your prospect treated with respect through clear and honest communication? So this means avoiding things like false exclusivity and emotional anchoring. One of the ways that the bro marketers got me was I really thought that they would have told me no, that if I genuinely wasn't a good fit, they would have said no. And that is not the case. And I can tell you that just based off of some of the people that came in there after me, those people were even less equipped to handle what was going on than I was. Like, that's just a fact. So that's false exclusivity. Like, you give the impression that you'll turn people down, but as long as those people can pay you, even if it's with their bill money, then you will take them in. Emotional anchoring, that's that whole thing with the script where it's like, basically you want your prospect like salivating for their goal and then deeply, like emotionally, they're deep in their emotions regarding their fears and their pain points. That's emotional anchoring. So you've pulled this person into a very emotional space without leaving an opportunity for calm and critical thinking. Are your prospects aware of the financial risks associated with this type of investment? This means that you aren't taking people's bill money. It also means that you aren't making any types of guarantees on the phone that you don't actually have control over. So I can guarantee you that I am going to show up. I'm going to give my best at the, to the max extent of my skills. So let's say you schedule, let's say you're a coach and you schedule a call with me and you want to talk about um, the, the uh, ethics of your marketing. Ruthie, I've got some questions. I feel like my marketing's a bit ick, and I think that's the reason why I'm not pushing it as hard as I should, because there are parts of it that don't feel aligned, but everybody has told me I need to do this, and I want to schedule a consultation call with you. Okay, cool. So in that consultation call, I can guarantee a couple things. Before we keep going with this podcast episode, I wanted to ask, 
Are you struggling to determine what's ethical and what's not for your practice or business? It may be because you haven't delved deeply into your why. Called by many a unique and deep approach, the Why Workshop is a self-paced $77 mini course that guides you in a multifaceted dive into why you do what you do. The resulting ahas can become the heart of your brand and the filter for all decision-making in your business. Go to defythestatusquo.com forward slash the hyphen why hyphen workshop to learn more. Okay, that's over. Let's get back to the episode. Do you remember what I was saying? Oh, yes, I remember what I was talking about now. I guarantee that you will get the full hour. You will get 60 minutes. If you don't, we will schedule again for another time. So that way we make sure you, you get your 60 minutes. Boom, right? I can guarantee that, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to address, you know, whatever it is we've agreed upon to address to the full extent. I, I can guarantee that any resources I have to give you so you can do additional research, I will provide those re- those resources to you. Those are things that I can control and provide mitigating like measures, right? So like when I said, what if we don't get the full 60 minutes? What if uh, somebody calls and you got to go pick up your kid or I got to go pick up my kid or something, right? I can tell you, hey, we're at 30 minutes. Let Once you get that all sorted out, I'll reach out and we can schedule another 30 minutes so we can pick up where we left off. I can ensure mitigating plans, right? And so we can mitigate the risk and stuff. What I can't do is say, hey, once we have this, you're going to rake in a ton of clients because your marketing is so ethical. Nope. I can't guarantee that. Because I'm not in control of your business. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I can't guarantee that. But you have people guaranteeing this stuff all the time. All right. <laughs> Let's look at critically conscious fulfillment. A lot of coaching, consulting, and service offers are mismarketed or falsely marketed altogether. Meaning that the marketing is great, but the fulfillment of said author isn't given what it was supposed to have gave. Okay, that means that what you're marketing is not what you are given to people. It isn't given what it was supposed to have gave is is some slang I picked off of TikTok. And I love it so much. Um, It's not the first time I've said it in a podcast episode. If you've been around for a while, you know that to be true. But I think a lot of the marketing tactics that we find to be unsavory, the manipulative sales and all of that. I think a lot of that are different masks to cover up the fact that people just have shitty offers. They really do. Like if you aren't emotionally anchored, if you aren't being manipulated, if this person isn't relying on cognitive uh, biases and logical fallacies, if all of those things are stripped away and I just lay it at your feet like, hey, this is what I'm offering. I think nine times out of 10, the offer is just shitty. And so they have to resort to these types of things in order to make a sale. The marketing was great. The offer is shitty. (laughs) That's, That's what I think it is a lot of the time. So some things to ask yourself. Are you sure that your offer is actually coaching, consulting, et cetera, or is it training? And there's nothing wrong with training, but there's a difference between coaching and training, okay? So this this is where I think it gets weird in terms of using the word coach because a lot of people, before they were in the business space, they were thinking of coach like for a sports team, right? So football coach, basketball coach, soccer coach, and there wasn't really a difference between coaching and training. But when we're talking about mental coaching, where we're coaching through different issues, right? We're coaching to help establish plans for for moving forward. There is a difference between that and, hey, you want to learn how to use TikTok. Let me show you how. That's training. I'm not a TikTok coach, but I had a business friend ask me like, hey, can you show me how to use TikTok? That was a training session. That wasn't a coaching session. And it's important to know the difference. 
It's a lot easier to put training into a course. You can't put coaching into a course because coaching is a two-way street. So another question, is what you're offering a dime a dozen or are you really bringing something unique to the table? So there's this, there's this untruth <laughs> that runs around saying that your uniqueness is all that you need to take what you've learned from other people and regurgitate it. Now, what this means is that the present, let's say it's a present. Let's say your offer is like a present, right? The marketing is the wrapper and then the person unwraps it, but it's basically the same as the present that you paid for not too long ago from your business coach or trainer or consultant, right? So the wrapping paper was just different. That's all. That is not unique. You may present it in such a way that people can understand it because they like you better. But make no mistake, that's not unique. And all that that means to me is that you probably don't have uh, a $10,000, $20,000 offer. That's what that means to me. So uniqueness, though, can be a new approach. Uniqueness can be deep expertise, right? So when I think of the people that I've had on the podcast, right? Like, so somebody that comes to mind for me especially is uh, Chrissy Reese. She's an amazing ads person, a data professional. She has a deep level of expertise. Does she evolve her understanding of how uh, the ads platforms work as new things come out? Yes. But it's not like she's out here like, oh, let me be on trend and like, let's, let's do all these weird new things. She tests. She uses her deep mastery of her space to test and evolve her understanding of what works. That is unique. Not because she's out here doing backflips while making ads or creating strategies, but her deep mastery of her space is what is unique about her. Critically conscious is a new approach. That is unique about what I offer. And again, it's not to say that when I worked with people on branding and, and all this other stuff, that that wasn't me being helpful. But I also wasn't charging those people $20,000 for it, $50,000 for it. I wasn't. And you know what? I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't. There might have been one person out there that I could have gotten to pay me $50,000, but I'm glad that I didn't because what I had wasn't worth $50,000. And if I'm charging $50,000, then my demographic, the business, the business owner that I should be working with is completely different than the business owners that I'm talking to right now through this podcast. Have you accidentally incorporated any cult coaching tactics? If you are not sure, you need to go back and listen to the cult coaching collection of episodes please do or go on to defythestatusquo.com and go to the blog and look at the bite model blog post because you will find a lot of the coaching, the cult coaching tactics in there. Question, are you handling areas that are outside your expertise? Mindset is a huge one since people don't know the difference between coaching and therapy or consulting or me just running my face while you listen. Most people don't know the difference between those things. But in a real coaching session, the, the coach doesn't talk a lot. They don't talk a lot. If you're a consultant, you're being paid for your knowledge so that the business owner may in fact ask you a question and you end up talking because they asked for your knowledge, right? And then of course we get accidental therapy all the time. So just, just be wary of those things. You have to understand what those differences are and you will mess up on the differences when you step out of your area of expertise. Just because 
you are amazing at building funnels does not mean that you should also be running people's ads, especially now when ads have become so sophisticated, right? Or just because you can build people's funnels doesn't mean that you should be editing their podcasts, right? We have this podcast and people have approached me like, oh, Ruthie, could I get you to manage my podcast? And I'm like, haha, joke's on you. I pay somebody to ma manage my podcast. Let me, let me introduce you to this person. But I could have said yes. But that's not my area of expertise. And more importantly, I don't want it to be. So don't forget that. <laughs> Last question. Did you market deep meaning as a part of your offer, but all you have to give is information? What does this mean? <laughs> In a lot of the marketing, especially the heart-centered marketing that we see today, the impact-driven marketing that we see today, coaches, consultants, and service providers are, are marketing meaning purpose in your life, like discover the purpose of your life, like like deep meaning. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, you're not gonna be burnt out anymore. We're gonna avoid burnout. And I'm not saying that you can't have an offer that does help people with burnout or does, you know, help them explore like what the meaning of their life could be. But if again, when they unwrap that present, what they have is information on the other side and not you guiding them, not you guiding them to find that meaning for themselves, you have mismarketed. But there is nothing wrong with information, but don't offer meaning if you're not guiding your clients down that path. If you're not creating an environment where they can find and distill meaning for themselves, do not market it. <sighs> this isn't the way to build a business quickly. But is what they're teaching helping the masses of clients actually build businesses? It takes two to three years for a business to see profit on average. So we must approach it with intent. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you build a business without intent, a seemingly small flaw will be what causes it all to come tumbling down. If you want a flash in the pan business, then being critically conscious probably isn't for you. However, if you're looking to build a business that makes a positive difference and is resilient, then I'm saying with my whole chest that this is the way. Thank you so much for being here and I look forward to seeing you next time.